Hello and welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. This is your host, Dave Stovall, and I'm just so grateful that you're with me today. I just want to have a little bit of business here at the top of this episode and say thank you for being a listener of this podcast. Last month, for the first time ever, we reached over 40,000 downloads. That is incredible. That's because of you listening to this content, being hungry and desiring to be a better disciple maker. And you're also sharing this with your friends and other church leaders and pastors and worship leaders. So that's incredible. So huge thank you from discipleship.org to you for supporting us and for listening to this show. Today's episode features Doug Burrier of Sustainable Discipleship in their most requested talk. Do you believe in yourself? Do you believe in those you make disciples? Better yet, do you believe in God? Answer those three questions and discover three people, three goals, and three strategies that always work in discipleship. Let's listen to Doug as he helps us answer these questions. Let's get some insightful material from him today. Here we go. Hey, I'm Doug. They told me that because last time we did a breakout, I was too short and the people in the back couldn't see me over the people in the front, that they wanted me to stand on the stage. So I'm going to stand on the stage, but I'm going to jump off the stage, I promise you. So you are not safe. That aisle's there for a reason. Um, I am a decision scientist, and I just want to just welcome you to anything I can do, you can do better. Um, we do things a little differently because we're tired of conferences. We hate them. Um, no, right? We go to them all the time, you said, like talking heads, and we never wanted to be that when we grew up. Plus, I always hate it when I go to breakouts and I don't get my questions answered. Drives me freaking crazy. Anybody else? Like there's six minutes right at the end and everybody's supposed to cram in their questions. So though we want to give you the content that you came for, we always flip our breakouts and our sessions on their head to to address this, to fix it. So I want you to know that this is your breakout. We're going to open up with any questions that you have. Like, what's a decision scientist? Or how can I fix my discipleship problem? Or anything, my favorite food, I don't care. Anything question you have. The other thing you need to know is that from the beginning of this, which is now, until the end of this, which was when we end, this is your breakout. You do not need to ask permission to interrupt. You do not need to ask permission to, to ask a question. If you come to any of the breakouts we do, we have a stack of $100 bills in the back. If we do not tell you something new, we will give you one. Just go ask them. They'll hand it to you. No questions asked. We're tired of hearing the same old stuff. If any one of the Waldos gives you a sales pitch, claim your $100. We're not here. We have nothing to sell. We all have real jobs. All that happened was that God gave us, and I know it's going to sound stupid, and you're going to go, there's no way to believe it. He gave us 95% success, sustained over 13 years, in six denominations across three countries now, in 20 to 50 kind of side churches, in churches ranging from tens of thousands to 25. The average success rate for disciple making has stayed between 90 and 95%. We do not track that to brag. We track that because I'm a nerd. We track it because when it dips, we know we broke something. Every time we break something, we publish so that we tell everybody else, don't ever try this. It took us eight years of research, looking at great disciples, people who stank as disciples, why nobody could get this done, right? Because we just say the same thing, let's go do it, we go do it. And we kept doing it because God told us to, and quite frankly, I wanted to quit ministry, and he was like, you solved everybody else's problems, maybe you should look at this. 
That's a short story, okay? So it's your breakout, it's your time. Do you have questions? Yes. You mean like the disciple making part? Um, yeah. Us? Uh, we have zero relationship. <laughs> so here's what happened. Here's what happened. We started doing this research. It took us about eight years. We got to 95% success. People heard about it. And they're like, we want to know more. And we're like, uh, we're not set up for that. So we threw the most rigged hobo workshop together. And these churches came and they went off and they got 95% success. Okay. I'm a, I'm a lead pastor. I guess you, if you want a title, you say senior pastor or whatever. I teach every Sunday to come do this. I've been on the road for like, this is my third conference, so like eight days, because we're evangelizing people to make disciples in an effective way. You're here, so you're pre-qualified. You're not going to hear from us. We need to go make disciples, okay, because you're here. You, you, you get that, right? So we're not going to spend our time doing that. But our relationship is this. So what we are, we're just sharing what God shared with us. The book that you actually see in the back, the one that's like the, the tell-all book, that's got every, like everything we do every month of every all three years, how we get it, that proven model again and again, is a book we wrote internally because Tim made me write it in our third to fourth generation, is that right? Because our people couldn't get enough of the leaders to know what God had shown us, right? So we were doing it very intuitively. So that book was actually written for our people and somebody found out about it. So, so we coach we champion, we cheer, but it's your culture. So this is, it's not a program. It's not material. There's basically like six methods to this. We're going to talk about four of them before this is over. And any one of those four you could put in, you're going to get 10, 20, 15% better. Does that mean like you're, and when I say better, what I mean is you got to know how to measure success, right? You got to know like, how, how are we actually succeeding? Right? So we'll talk about that in a minute. But it, most people even know what discipleship is, right? We say go to discipleship, I'm going to read the Bible with them, Bible study. So you got to know what you're making. You got to know what you're doing. Um, there's a red book back there. By the way, if you don't have money, we have a freebie guarantee. So just go give it to me. We'll give it to you. And we'll do that until we're broke. So far, we haven't gone broke. And people have money, pay for what they can. It helps us do others. So it's, you know, but the red book back there talks about those goals. We're going to talk about them in this talk too. So it's not, we're totally behind you, but it's your culture. You know, your people, all we're going to do is say, these are your people. But if, if when you, if you put a group together this way, you will get 30% better success. Meaning 30% more of that group will go on and 10 years later say, I am prepared, confident, and skilled at my own life. I rock. I'm getting everything out of my faith and they're making disciples and you never asked them to. 95% of them, never, without even asking them, because healthy people do what healthy people do. Does that help? So we do coaching. We do all kinds of stuff. Anything else? That's it? I don't know. Yeah, question. You need to ask it. I, yeah. Could you explain what dead pandas is all about? I can, tomorrow at 9. Okay. <laughs> we get in trouble all the time because we are clearly not the norm for conferences of these types. But we, we love, there's a ton of great content and everything out there. We are shamelessly trying to get people to come to learn the how-to. So we're not going to deliver you. We, we want you to leave with something you can use, like immediately. So we're going to do that every time. And this, one of my favorite. If you ever wanted to get somebody to read the Bible cover to cover and consume it on their own, 
voraciously, Jeremiah, all of it, and, and become a genius? 95%, four years, four times through the Bible, on their own, geniuses when they're done. I'll put any disciple who's finished Discipleship 3 up against anybody from seminary, and they'll tear him to shreds. You want to know why? Simply because they've read the Bible more than those people. It's the truth. I'm not, we're, some of you are pastors. So I'm not trying to be offensive. It's just what it is. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Shirt worked. Any other questions? Yeah. What countries are we in? Okay, we are in Mal the Malaysia's trying to do something, right? Reaching across the sea. We have Malaysia in the front row. Colombia, the Philippines, Mexico. Anywhere else? The U.S. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of places we don't know. I was at a conference and three guys came up to me and said, dude, we really need some more information on us. We've started making disciples. I'm like, dude, why didn't you reach out to us? Like, the book was thorough. We just started. Now we have problems. So we have no idea, actually, Every, those are the ones we know. Yeah. What was the tension that was happening that caused you to say, this is broken, or this is what people are saying, can I just be, yeah, can I just be Doug? You guys give me permission, and if I even remotely offend you, you will talk to me afterwards so I can just ask for forgiveness and I can just be Doug. Adults suck. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the truth. I was in youth ministry. I was a, I'm a decision scientist, had my own shingle, making tons of money an hour. I was on the board of directors of a bank, everything else, and I got involved in youth ministry. We'd get these kids saved. We'd go like, paint yourself purple, you'll be righteous, and they would do it. And then somebody came up with a bright idea that I should lead adults. <laughs> adults stink, man. They wouldn't do anything. Oh, I don't know, we do that. I'll do that. I got kids. I'm busy. And it was just like, God, this is terrible. We took them on retreats. We did a thousand things to try to disciple them, and none of them worked. And so I told God, I was in my shower. Just picture that. I was in my shower, and I said, God, I quit. Like, I did not give up a career and get into Christianity to run a business and, and to, you know, wrestle cats or whatever it is. And God said, well, why don't you take what the gift I've given you, which is decision science. You've solved this business stuff, everything else, for everybody else. Why don't you see if you can solve this for the church and you? So you're not quitting, Doug. And so that's what started it. We were terribly, horribly not able to get any traction making real disciples that lasted a long time and real transformation because that's what you need is transformation and so we so now we do so it was just total utter frustration and really we we were terrible at it and yeah that's what that's what drove it anything else yeah okay a decision scientist you never want to be married to you could ask my wife amber she'd be like yeah you should never marry a decision scientist. I can help you solve anything, but I cannot figure out what socks to wear. I can't order off menus. It's a horrible thing. So decision, decision science came out of Israel, my heroes in Israel, to uh, an Israel psychologist and an Israel, Israeli um, uh, econ economist. Blah, blah. And, and they were charged... Both were great researchers. They were charged by the Israeli government to decide who would be pilots because they just draft everybody. Then they have to figure it out. And they failed and failed and failed, but they became great friends. And they started doing research together and they published a, just a, a terrible little paper. I mean, it's a great paper, but it wasn't like, you know, fancy. Nobody knew them. And it was the 14 shortcuts that people make in making decisions. So in their failure, they discovered why people fail and they started decision sciences. So it's this. 
We'd study things like why people make the decisions they make, how they make value choices, um, just all kinds of, that's all in that realm of like, how do people make decisions? How can you fix that? How can you help them? How are they actually shortcuts? And you now see why that plays into discipleship. Because the reason you can't get people to buy into discipleship is because they don't think there's any what? Value. Yeah, so you gotta hit the value. We're gonna talk about that. You hit the value button. And cool. Anything else? Yeah. And you're like, we're never gonna get the content done. I promise you, we will. B comes before do. Yeah, B comes before do. So this, healthy people do healthy things. Almost every discipleship thing you're going to look up, because by the way, we didn't set out, we don't have a program. We just said these methods God showed us. But we didn't set out to do any of this. The first thing we did when we realized we were terrible at discipleship is went out and bought every program and ran it through our church, cover to cover, all of them, the big boys, the little ones, everything. And they would get people to do the right thing for a short period of time. And then what happened? 13 weeks later, 26 weeks later, I had to go buy more material. Anybody want to amen this? We now have not bought material in 13 years. Not one dime, not one research, not anything. 13 years. It's crazy. Anything else? Oh, beacons for do. Healthy people do healthy things. So if you focus and make them the hero of discipleship instead of the church, you actually do what Jesus did. You lay your life down so that they will have an abundant life. If they get that abundant life, everybody will see it. They will have people knocking their doors down to make disciples. If you don't believe me, um, find Aaron back there in a the white hat and ask him how he's discipling five guys in the DOT who asked him to disciple them at work. Tons of stories. All right, anything else? Okay, success. Success, the way that we define success is this. Can you just jump to that slide, Tim? It's in this thing, right? Success is how many people that you make disciples, how many people do the right thing for the right reason and navigate the unknowns of life long after your influence fades. When you're not around, do they know why to do what they're supposed to do? Do they do that? Will they continue to do that? And can they navigate the unknowns? Who do I marry? What car do I buy? Can I borrow all those things that they can do all of that on their own? That would be success. So the first part of our success would be that somebody is actually a complete Christian, as Jesus described them, prepared, confident, and skilled to face life, to live an abundant life with him. And then the second part of that success would be this, that they reproduce, but we're not even going to measure that reproduction. We, 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 we track it. But when we say 95% success, so at the end of this year, we'll go back to everybody all through the chains who we can track. Okay, so we ask everybody, anonymized, whatever you say, data, all the people making disciples, dump it in. And we go back and we ask those people, how's your life? Are you still knocking it out of the park? Are you walking with God? We measure that. And then we ask them, are you making disciples? 12 years later, 95% say, yeah, yeah without us ever telling them to do a thing, without their churches making them do anything. So somebody who's self-sustaining and self-replicating, they're healthy. Does that help? Anything else? That's Tim in the back, by the way. Hi, Tim. He's out of Huntsville. 
and uh, works with uh, the Department of Defense, and he's in the process of trying to work himself out of his CEO position for this company that contracts with the government so that he can go into a corporate discipleship. And he's basically going to do this for every employee that enters the company because what he's finding is people are asking that the people that are doing discipleship with him, what's different with so-and-so? They've been different over the last X number of weeks. And his goal now is to do that for everybody that enters the company so that it's, it's discipleship and how far he takes them into a very specific, you know. So, so do, do you hear, listen, do you hear, do you hear what Tim's saying? A guy's a corporate CEO of a large rocket ship company in Huntsville. He starts discipling three people. His entire company now wants him to disciple them. When's the last time you heard that? It just works. His methods work. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. I don't. God does. So uh, there, I'm not just trying to pitch these talks, but I'm just telling you, we just want to share with you how to's. And I think it's at 3.30 tomorrow. No, it's at 12.30 tomorrow. It's, I'm not good at this. It's when we talk about the pathway. We're going to talk about this pathway that they go down. And, 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 and once you see this, God will convince them. See, if you convince them, I can unconvince them. But if you can get them to where God, and we can show you how this gets done. If you can get them where God convinces them, then they will repent. And they'll do that again and again until they get really good at it. And guess what happens when people begin to adjust their lives to God to become teachable? And they're reading the Bible, and then what happens? They become transformed. These, it's, it's, that is what, James? That's, oh, that's right now. Well, you're going to really enjoy this. I thought we were doing more detail on it, but yeah, good. So you're getting some of that now. I thought we were just highlighting it. All right, good. Anybody else? Awesome. All right, let's start. I need you guys to, um, do you guys know the song, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better? Okay. I need you to sing it so loud that I get in trouble. I always get in trouble for being loud. Ready? Okay, I'll, I'll start. <laughs> Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything. What? And you. No, you can't. No, you can't. Okay. So this talk, we flip around in a very specific way because we want it to stick. By the way, that's a decision science trick. You will never forget what I'm getting ready to tell you because I put a brain tag. You can do this in disciple making. We flip it around and say, anything I can do, you can do better. Anything I can do, you can do better. And I can promise you this. But I want to ask you this question. Do you actually believe in yourself? Like how many of you right now think, you know, if, if you're in your brain, you're just thinking like, uh, I could actually get 95% success. I could go disciple 10 people. And at the end of 12 years, 9.5 of them <laughs> would still be doing well. One needs mental health. Huh? You want to believe that. Well, that's good. But how many really just believe that? You're like, I, that I could do this, like just based on my track record. Huh? We can't. We can't? No. Why? You think? He's dead on. But the, but the key is, is that, the key is, is that 
I, I love it the way, I don't know if any of you guys have ever uh, done Blackaby's book, Experiencing God, but I love the way Blackaby puts it. When you say that you don't think you can, you're actually saying you don't think God can. And, it, and that's what you're saying, right? Because he can do. But the point is, is that's all well and good. And, and don't take with no offense. That's all well and good and spiritual. But the bottom line is we're not doing it or we wouldn't keep having these conferences. So if you really believe you can do it, why then aren't you? And if you believe that it's only God can do it, then why aren't we tapping into that? So just at a real practical level, do you actually believe that you could go out tomorrow and take 10 people and at the end of the year, they have this blistering, incredible, transformed faith and you got to be a part of it and you really believe that that experience, let us be honest, I hope you all do, but it's not typical, right, for people to actually believe that they can get that done. Let me read you just like a couple scriptures because I really promise you, you can do this. And I'll prove it to you biblically, and then we're going to move on, because this is just like bumper content. You ready? So read this with me. I tell you the truth, if you had the faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. By the way, this is how we disciple people. It's the Word of God. Doesn't matter what I think. This is just His Word. Now sing with me. Anything I can do, okay, anything I can do, you can do, you are not participating. And I, I get to run this hour like you just have zero content or you can sing. Anything I can do, you can do better in that. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, that's great. Do you, do you get it? So what is Jesus saying here? Can you do it? How about, how about like this? Let's just take it a little deeper. Instead of asking, do you believe that God can do it? No, I, oh yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Then why hasn't he? So why hasn't he? Be brutal. Because we're... <laughs> That's, no, it's awesome. If anybody's offended, you can now see him and me. No, we just, we sealed the $100 promise because nobody's ever heard this happen. Okay, good. All right, they're going to have to bleep this out of this. I always forget I have this mic on. I need to behave. Okay, so, um, so the point is, is that we say we believe that God will do it, right? They're just like, oh, yeah, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. But the question is, like, do you believe that he's actually going to do it? Let me reframe it for you because we're just not doing it. Let's just be honest. So if we get to the place where we can believe that we could actually be used by God, and we actually believe God can do it, right? Maybe the better question than ask is this. He told you to do this, right? Yeah. Anybody want in on that? I mean, we, I don't have to quote the scripture everybody quotes. Okay, so we know we're supposed to make disciples. Not because not we have to. It's our privilege. So will God ever call you to do something he doesn't give you the strength to do? Huh? When? Biblically, did God ever put a task before a human being on this planet that God put before them that he did not give them the strength to complete? There is no biblical example that I know of. And if you have one, see, it's because we're always growing and learning. No biblical example 
Because if he tells you to do it, right? What do you say about Zerubbabel? Dude, you can stall him for 16 years, but what I start, I finish. The temple will get built. Those are his words right out of the Bible. So you know it's his will for us to make disciples, and you know that he can use you, and you know that he can do it. So then let me ask you this. Do you actually believe that God actually makes the disciples? Yes, you have to say yes, or else you're a bad Christian. Yeah, he, of course he makes the disciples. Okay, then why can't we just set him down on the stage and go? Because he has a very specific method. He has a very, very, very specific method. But he does make them. Can we all agree on that? Okay, so then let's consume this scripture. Um, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works as I've done. And what? Even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So I want you to just think Jesus for a minute. Everybody got it? I want you to sing the song now from Jesus' perspective based on this verse. Anything I can do, you can do better. Do you get it? These are his words. You can make more disciples than him. This is sacrilegious, Doug. No, it's his words. As he discipled them, he told them what? You will do greater works. Okay. So do you believe all of this? I mean, you have to. It's scripture. Do you believe both? when people leave this room, that they'll actually make disciples. They won't. I do too many of these. I hope that some of you are really compelled to do something. As a decision scientist, I tell you, if you don't take action in the next 72 hours and start, you probably won't. The average burn rate, sorry, it's a business term. The average burn rate, the time it takes from sometimes somebody meets us, reads this book, figures out this actually works and we're not crazy, to when they actually implement it, if they do, is six months. It's just a lot to process. Because do we really believe that they'll get involved in disciples? Do we really think that we'll actually do it? And so what are all the barriers? And the classic barriers are, are what? Time. You know, you, know the, you know the biggest impediment to us getting 90... Do you understand? Like, You're really not our target audience. Do you, did you know that? You, you do? No? Who's our target audience? Not even the lost. Who's our target audience? Everybody who hasn't had the opportunity to actually be discipled. You just happen to be people who could really multiply this. Like you could accelerate God's work. You could have what we have. So that we just want to share, like, I could share that with you like, so that you could actually do that, right? And so, so the number one barrier is pastors and the elder boards and deacon boards. Because we don't have time for that. This is a big change. And so we just tell you, like, if you're in that environment, you are not released from the obligation to make disciples. You are not released from the belief that he can use you, nor the belief that he makes the disciple, nor are you released from the belief that he said, go do greater things, nor are you released from the fact that he said, and I will make you do greater things if you just cooperate with me. So just go get three people and start making disciples and don't ask permission. Just don't tell anybody. <laughs> Just go make 
disciples. Boy, I'm really editing myself. Go make <laughs> disciples. Do it. Don't talk about it. Do it. Okay, now, like, you said you weren't going to do that. You weren't going to challenge us. I'm not really. What I'm saying, though, is do we actually believe this? And the biggest barrier people cite is what? Time, system, and structure. So I want to introduce you to the three people involved in discipleship because I want you to be able to just uh, take that and I want you to really get this. This is going to save, I think we've already saved the $100, but this will definitely save me the $100 because this is not the way we communicate about discipleship. And when God showed this to us, we were like, whoo. All right, so who is the first person? Don't click. Who is the first person in discipleship? Okay, so who's that Jesus? All right, you're going to hell. All right, who? <laughs> who? Me. You're all going to hell. Who's the? F- who? Them. 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 The very first person in discipleship is the disciple. You can click now. Is, oh, just skip that. Yeah, just go. We've already done the summary. Go. go. There we go. Good. Go. Hey, by the way, at 3.30 tomorrow, we will show you how you can put this into play. And if you just make six disciples for the next 20 years, you will die on that day because that's what's going to happen. On the 20th year, you will die having made 3.2 million disciples. And the year after your death, when they celebrate it, <laughs> they celebrate it? That's, that's morbid. <laughs> 40.7 million will complete that year. So that's 3.30 tomorrow, just how to actually do this and implement it, okay? So then, they're the first person. If they were the only person on earth, who's the master theologian in this room who wants to be the guinea pig? You? That's awesome. Okay, so if they were the only person on earth, would Jesus still have died? Why? If the only reason right, that we're supposed to make disciples, which is what, introducing them to God, teaching what we know, is so that they'll make disciples, because that's the pitch now, right, multiply, multiply, multiply. If that's the only reason, then why would Jesus need to come? Because there's nobody to save, right? You're the only person on the planet. So why would he die? Because he wants to have a relationship with them. He wants them to just have an abundant life. What's he say? I came that they, what? Like have life abundantly. How about this one? Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me, loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Is there anything here about anybody else other than the individual? No. He actually wants you and them to have a complete and abundant life. That is reason enough. And what discipleship does, right? It introduces them to that God who loves them and knows what they can be, introduces them to his truths, helps them apply them so they get this kind of transformation. And they become like Jesus and they listen to his word. And then he loves them back. And it's just a giant love fest relationship. They are the hero in discipleship, not the church, not the disciples they'll make. They will make them. The church will be blessed. If you make disciples using these six methods, you will never have a tithe problem again. I promise you. Because 95% healthy people tithe. 95% healthy people serve. 95% healthy people don't have to be asked to do things. Uh, caveat, that's a very terrible reason to pursue this. But it is, a, it is an incredible benefit. 
but they're the hero. He gave his life for them, 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 them. Not us, not the church, them. Second person in discipleship. I saved my hundred dollars. Second person in discipleship. By the way, if it sounds heretical to say they're the hero, talk to me afterwards. We know that Christ is supreme. He was the hero of his story. He is the hero to us because his story saved us. But he said, now it's your job. You go save the world. You should be the hero to that world. And you need to be the hero in your own story. You need to be one who conquers your things. And you do that with Jesus because he is your hero. Okay, I'm just going to scrub that out because normally somebody gets. Okay. Second person is. Double hell. No, okay. No. All right. Are you still awake? She's laughing. My whole goal now is to keep you engaged. All right, good. Who's the second person? No, Jesus is in heaven next to God. If he has to come here to be involved in discipleship, we are on serious trouble. The Holy Spirit. We all say we believe it. All right, let's read a couple verses. We say we believe it, right? We say, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative... Does it? Oh, you don't have my quote in here. Oh, sorry. I had a little thing to scrape scripture. This is Jesus talking. When the Father sends my, the advocate, my representative, parentheses, peace out, dudes, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. Does it say anywhere that you're supposed to teach them? Oh, no, but Matthew 28, it uh, says... They teach them all that Jesus taught you. Right, exactly. So what do you teach them? Oh, selected stuff from the scriptures and whatnot. No, just give them the whole book. We got it written now. It's everything he taught, right? But what's his vehicle of truly teaching? His vehicle of truly teaching is what? His word, Holy Spirit inspired. So it is the Holy Spirit who teaches. It is the Holy Spirit who actually gets this word in and makes it work for us. Isn't that incredible? So it's not really my job. I just have to get them the word. Well, back then it made sense. There was something written down. So who had to? I had to tell you what was taught. Now I can hand them a book. How many of you are making disciples and you're handing the Bible? Let's just read it cover to cover. Let's go, dudes. No. Why? Because you don't believe they will. You should be here. Sometime when we talk about this in the future. Next three sessions. <laughs> All right. The Spirit's the one who actually transforms them. The Spirit's the one who teaches them. The Spirit's the one who changes them. The Spirit is the one who does all of the work. Who's the third person? <laughs> Dude, you're really down to just one answer. <laughs> you're down to one answer. Some people left after I said that. Like you went to hell the last time, so I, I hope I didn't hurt their feelings. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm oh no, you're really going to hell. No, I'm just kidding. All right, no. So seriously, seriously. Look, see how far she's away from you. She doesn't want to be near the trap door. All right, good. So you, we're finally at you. You are. So what's your role? Like you need to know your role if you're going to do this. You really need to understand your role. Three people. There are three people, there are three goals and three strategies at a 30,000 foot view that I promise you, and we're going to delve into little pieces of them in the next sessions as they go on, but just in a big overview, there are three people, there are three goals and three strategies. The three people are what? Them, the Holy Spirit, and you. 
Let me quickly give you something, quickly give you something about you. Here's, here's you. You need to be intentional. Like you need to intentionally be you, but you need to do these four things. Ready? First, you need to make sure that you know what you're making. You need to know what you're making. Okay, we're going to talk uh, this in that whole thing where I said, um, we're going to talk about one do and five don'ts in disciple making. I think that's at 1230 tomorrow. And it, we're going to really lean in on this, what your role is, what one thing really to do and a couple things really not to do. So you need to know what you're making. What, what is a disciple? If I told you to make a bicycle, you could do it. But I tell you to make a disciple. So we need to get that simple answer, right? Okay, so you need to know what you're making. And what you're making is somebody who's prepared, confident, and skilled. You're going to see it in a minute. Two, you need to know how you're going to make disciples. Like, you, it, this isn't just, all. Oh, let's get together for coffee at Chick-fil-A. Like, you need to have a better plan than that. And you can. Right? Three, you need to be prepared, confident, and skilled yourself. And you're like, that's never going to happen. I promise you, we could actually show you kind of shortcut how to do that. But what you really need to do is you need to have faith that God can use you, that he can, he called you this, so he'll get you ready. And you can actually be very skilled because you can listen and learn to others. In fact, I would just argue, like you could apply five or six methods and your confidence level go up here. So will your success rate, so will, you, so will their lives and get it. So, so you've got to know what you're making. You've got to know how you're going to make it. You got to be ready. Fourth, you need to really understand your role. When you're actually making disciples, you're not the teacher. We've already determined that. Who's the teacher? Holy Spirit, God, the Word, right? Okay. So what is your job? Well, I'm their accountability partner. Now, if you get them accountable to you, what happens when you're not there? You need to teach them to be accountable to God. It's a really cool method, right? You really need to teach them how to be accountable to God. So you really need to know your role. The way I like to describe this, kind of like you're going up Mount Everest, you cannot climb for them. If you just carry them up Mount Everest, they're never going to, they'll never know how to do it. You're just the guide, okay? You're not their savior. You're not their Lord. You're, not, you're just the guide. They get close to the edge of the trail. You're like, hey, you're just giving them truth. You've been down the path. You, does that make sense? So from this concept of we just need to be like totally, totally, totally intentionally us. Um, God, I really want to go there, but we're tight on time. I, I promise you tomorrow, the, the one that's uh, one do five don'ts, 12, 12.30, whatever it is, we'll, we'll lean a little more into that, okay? So we were talking about the, sum, the, the, the success thing, and we put that up there, right? Said so they know what, kind of what to do, and they do it on their own. And they do it for the right reasons. They do that long afterwards. We put that in a Venn diagram. It looks like this. For us, success is defined this way. And, and I don't say us. I mean, just data. When they understand the why, when they follow on their own, when they can navigate the unknowns, they can begin to assimilate all those truths. We have succeeded. Okay. So, so I told you I was going to tell you the three goals, right? Th these are the three goals. Go, th go back. These are the three goals. I want them to understand the value of God's word because when they understand the value, they will not be moved. Does that make sense? When they understand that we, God convicts them, convinces them of the value of 
not sleeping with donkeys. They will not sleep with donkeys. Oh, it is late. Nobody even reacted to that. <laughs> if you get a chance, ask me later. It's my favorite story to tell. It's how I realized I could follow Christ by reading that verse. Okay, but when, when it says don't murder, and they understand the real value behind that, that he's the giver of life, you're good. They have to understand the value of tithing. What? It defeats materialism. It's a thankful gift to him. When they really understand that value instead of just being told to do it or made an emotional plea to do it, but when they understand the value, they understand the why, and they make the decision based on the why, they're going to see God what? Come through on his promises because he does it every single time, which means they're going to become more confident that God's ways work, which means they're going to go do another one, and they're going to build confidence. They're going to start falling on their own because now they're confident. And all the time, they're just digesting a ton of God's truth because they're actually reading all of the Bible. And then it's all going to assimilate together. And when they have to decide, can I drink? Can I not drink? Can, you know, should I buy this car, that car? Should I go into debt? Where do I go to school? They're going to be able to put those answers together because don't tell me God doesn't have one. He does. We just don't know how to stack all the data. But they will. So this is, this is the, this is, these are the goals. They understand that why. Wouldn't you love that? There's a bunch of people who understand the why and they actually act based on that for themselves. Like this is going to destroy my life. Okay. And then they actually do it on their own. Like they don't have to come to it, have to be their crutch forever. Every time I ask people, how many disciples you making? They say like, I'm three, five, six. And I go, how long have you been making? Well, we've been in a group together for three years. And I'm like, you are not making disciples. You are having coffee. <laughs> they still need you. Kick them out. I can't. They're not ready. You're not making disciples. But then you want them to navigate the unknowns. Those are the three goals we have. So we had three people with three goals. We had three strategies. By the way, you can argue that this takes only three hours a week of your time. Three hours a week. Six disciples, 10 disciples, 12 disciples, four disciples. I don't care how many you want to make. And by the way, you can make 10 at a time totally effectively and keep it personal without curriculum. Do you ever get tired of going trying to use curriculum and we go we have this curriculum it's on money and I got to try to somehow make it fit you you and you you're not even at the same stages of life but if you take the Bible and the Holy Spirit guess what he will customize it to you you and you as you read the same verses he will bend them and he will touch your heart your heart and your heart that takes three hours a week hour and a half or so to, for you to prepare just be good because you don't do anything outside group because there is no coffee. There is no food because that's not discipleship. <laughs> that's small group. And those are good. It's an hour and a half of let's go at it and look at God's word. And I'm going to guide you and you're going to get it. You're going to apply it. And by the way, I'm not going to tell you what was your question. How do I tell them they're not healthy? I'm not. You're just going to keep reading until you see yourself in the pages. And like this wonderful girl says to me in the middle of a guy girl group, discipleship one, she said, oh, my God, I'm Jezebel. And it wasn't even her thing that she read that we have them highlight things. It wasn't what she highlighted. Somebody else highlighted it. God reached out from this person's highlight and went, shikabow! I already knew she was Jezebel. I went to church with her. Never said a word. Not my job. Whose job? His job. Not my job. I just got to get him in... It's, a, it's these methods are so duh. We all know them. We just have to figure out how to get them done. Okay? Does, that, does it make sense? 
So the three strategies, let's just lay them out for you. You get three hours, right? So three people, you have three goals. The three strategies now, Tim, now. Prepared, confident, and skilled. When, when I really understand the why, what God, first I have to know what it is. Don't do this, do that. When I understand that, and then I understand the value of it, I'm actually prepared to take action. When I begin to take action and act on my own and trust God's words and lean into his promises, what happens then? I become confident. And as I do that more and more and more, I get more and more, I hate to use the word data if that blows your mind, but just discrete truths from God. They connect, they connect, they expand, they connect, they expand. And then what happens is all of that gets bigger and God's able to help me assimilate that into much more complex answers, right? For example, the first time you read about tithing in the Bible, you're like, this dude died, he died. This is what they say. So it's an amazing thing because we're right in Genesis, right? It's like they both brought a tithe and he got killed. Why? Because in the first year, all we ask him to do is highlight ahas and what? No, who wrote it, when it was written, blah, blah, blah. None of that transformed anybody. That's just pharisaical knowledge. I'm a nerd. I have PhD, Bible study. I got it all. But it's still, none of that transforms anybody. None of it. We just want him to go after transforming truth. So they, he killed this guy. Well, why? Because he bought vegetables. What do you learn from that? First year, disciples are great. Not to be vegan? I... <laughs> Sorry. So, but, but you just go like, and you know what we did? We make no comment. We go, that's awesome. Next highlight. Because all we're doing is guiding. They're hearing something. Maybe it's not real mature, right? But they go, but they're supposed to do a tithe. Then they see about Abraham giving the tithe, right? And so they're just like, but in year two, though, because I want them to do what? I need them to get truths. Right? I need him to get discrete truths. But in year two, what I want to do, I want to make him confident. So now when you highlight, well, you gave Melchizedek 10%. Right? And I go, that's awesome. And then I'm going to, what's your name, sir? Mike. Huh? Mike. Mike. Great name. Strong name. Mike, I want you to connect that. And you're like, what? I go, well, you read the whole Bible last year. Well, there was that Cain and Abel thing. And then that Malachi thing about robbing God if you don't give tithes. And then the materialism thing. And I'm like, you did a great job. Next highlight. And you're like, you didn't say anything. No, because I'm just teaching him how to use the brain God gave him. Now he made a bunch of connections. Neural pathway learning is what we call it. Everybody all hip on the AI, because that's all it's doing. Google has tons of data. It just looks for connections, and it gives you an answer. Why does it work? Artificial intelligence. What are they mimicking? The way your brain works. So year one, we just want to get a bunch of data in there. That means the Bible cover to cover and everything to highlight. But they aren't going to get everything. No, they're not. It's okay. They're going to get what God gets them to get. That's a good place to start. They're going to be good. Year two, we're going to have them every time they highlight, connect it. Year three. Year three, we want them to learn to learn. So we're going to start saying what? All right, well, you connected all that, right? Mike, he's like, yeah. I go, so when you connected all that, did you learn anything bigger? And then Mike, because Mike's a genius. Let's give him a round of applause. Okay, let's give him a round of applause. Another shameless ploy to make sure you're listening. Um, so he's going to go, yeah, but you know, in the New Testament, it says you're obedient because you tithe the mint and the dill. It's like even then he was like saying tithe, but I noticed something. He said, but, but you disregard justice and mercy. 
So there's something more important even than the obedience in some of these things. Like, I need to not be materialistic. I need to be thankful to God. I better tithe. But, but justice and mercy are even beyond that. That's bigger. See, that's an abstract thought now. Somebody did me wrong today. And one of my friends looked at me and said, take a breath. Justice and mercy. That's an abstract. That's what you want to get to. That's when they're skilled at facing life. Does that make sense? So they're going to assimilate these other truths into, other tr- into greater truths. They're going to learn to learn. Does that make sense? Okay. So they connect the, the indirect. So they discrete, they connect the direct. Then they begin to connect indirectly, right? Things that are related. And you're like, okay. But th- you can do this. You don't have to come to another thing. Because I just told you everything you need to know, right? Which is what? Get them to read the Bible, have them highlight stuff that makes them go, aha. Because you're just trying to get them to get as many truths as they can. If they're way off, look at them and go, dude, that can't be applied to your life. Like, move on. I, I love the parting the water, the red. See, so awesome. Anybody into the song, got my Gucci's on, whatever that song is, that pop song, the girl's singing, like, you know, she's got her Gucci's, Gucci's on. You know, one of my, my groups, girls radio, see, like, the water part of the Red Sea. This is classic. Almost everybody highlights this the first year. And the ground was dry. And I was like, that's awesome. How does that apply to you? I mean, there's a thousand op- applications, right? She said it means that I could wear my Gucci's and follow God. So, but it, do you see? But it connects for her. In other words, in other words, he's going to provide for me. He's going to jump their shoes. <laughs> okay, these guys. So, you, you get it? So, isn't that cool? So, that's year one. Year two, she's going to highlight the sea was whatever part of dry, and you're going to get, but she won't because it's already highlighted. Same Bible, different color highlighter. But if she did, we go, well, where else does that connect? And she goes, man, there's so many places that God provided directly for these people. When they parted the Jordan, it was dry. When, so, and if she said, and that makes me think of, in year two, I'd go, stop! Why? Because I only want her to connect things that are direct. I want her to get really good at it. And it's going to take a whole year to do it. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to coach and throw out some nuggets, you know, some ideas. Be patient. By the end of the year, they'll do that. They're going to be, they're going to be so smart, so much smarter than you. Like, it's crazy. And then year three, I'm going to start saying, make it bigger, make it bigger. There's a great example, even if you don't buy it or get an electronic copy or whatever, uh, in, the, in our kind of seminal book that tells all this stuff, there's an example under, I think it's under the second to last chapter, how you lead year three, like we tell you everything to do. There is an example of what it means to um, connect bigger. And when it was not written, we didn't research it to make it fancy. I literally sat down when I was writing the chapter and just said, all right, God. And I flipped open the Bible, got a verse, connected it, and just started typing and got like four pages of bigger. And, that, and, that, and they do it. Average people, human beings, plumbers. None of this hermeneutics and, you know, Bible school and all that stuff. And uh, listen, nerd's great, all that Hebrew, Greek, bah, you know. If he wanted you to speak Hebrew and Greek, you wouldn't live here. So he translated the Bible into your language. It's really not complex. Jesus was a very simple teacher. So you're going to expand it and go that way. Does it make sense? So I told you about that predictable pathway, right? The 14 steps everybody takes. If you put that over our Venn diagram, it looks like this. So step one is they become convicted, or we like to say convinced by God. 
Step two is they repent. Now just watch how they kind of follow. Then what? Because they're repenting, they're teachable. So they get taught and then they become enlightened. Do you see? That's four. Do you see how it's perfect? It just fits. This is pretty much where we spend all of year one, bouncing back and forth between one and four and mastering those concepts of just being open to God and learning and becoming enlightened. And then, and then, we, then we move on to like five, you know, and I, I'm kind of called by God and, and I serve God. And, it, and so this whole pathway unfolds. I don't know if we, do we have the red slide that actually puts all the words on it? I don't know if it's in there, we, but I, I feel certain you can see that at one of the breakouts tomorrow, and if you'll see me afterwards, I'll look up which one it is. Okay, but, but this pathway, as it unfolds, you begin to know exactly where somebody's at so you know what to be watching for and what to be listening to and what to give them. And all the guesswork goes out of discipleship. It's really weird, and I'm sorry, if you can pick up, we have bookmarks and stuff you can get to just look at this, but, but it is, it, the B comes before your to-dos. It is so important you understand that you're trying to transform the B because healthy people do healthy things, but the only way you'll ever know is to watch quietly the do's. That's James, right? Faith without works is dead. That cool? Okay. So, um, yeah. So this is actually, I think we're going to talk more about this at 1230 and 330. This, this, this pathway just keeps coming up again and again and again and again and again. So I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. Do, do I owe anybody $100? Okay, good. I love you guys. Thanks for being here. May God bless you. If we see you tomorrow, great. If we don't, just reach out to us if we can help. Tomorrow morning, we find out what? What dead pandas have to do with discipleship? That's all we've got for today. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I always enjoy hearing from Doug and Sustainable Discipleship. I just, I love the way that they think and I love the way that they apply these outside of the box methods for making disciples. And I just kind of love the no nonsense attitude that they bring to each one of these episodes. Up next, we're going to be listening to why, what do dead pandas have to do with discipleship? I don't know about you, but like, I'm so intrigued by that. So hit the subscribe button, make sure you come back and listen to the next episode. Let's find out what the heck dead pandas have to do with discipleship. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. And I hope that you will come back and listen to another one. Enjoy the rest of your day.